Now, as this is a carous by candlelight and we have children uh, with us this evening, I think it's only right that I start with a story about children and Christmas, right? Uh, two young boys are spending the night at their grandparents' house. Uh, it is a week before Christmas. At bedtime, uh, the two boys kneel beside their beds to say their prayers. And the little brother starts to pray. And he's praying at the top of his lungs. He, he starts praying. He says, I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new Xbox. I pray for new Nike trainers. So his big brother is hearing this, and he leans over to him and says to him, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf, you know. The little brother says to him, I know, but grandma is. <laughs> now, now, I'm conscious that you're not here for bad Christmas jokes, right? I also know that all of us are celebrating Christmas after another challenging year. Uh, COVID-19 has turned our lives upside down, uh, rising prices, businesses continue to close, jobs under threat, and many lives continue to be lost around the world. On top of that, there are the usual problems of life, health problems, strains in our relationships, loneliness, and many other issues in our lives. Well, in the middle of all of that, that life is throwing at us, I just want to share two pieces of good news that Christmas, um, two pieces of good news this Christmas from the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary. Uh, it's in the passage uh, that Brianna read for us from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, and it's worth keeping that passage open in front of you so you see where I'm going. Two pieces of good news. The first piece of good news from that passage uh, is that God is here as one of us. God is here as one of us. Dr. Luke, who wrote this Christmas record, starts with an announcement, doesn't he, that God is sending the angel Gabriel to a girl named Mary. Look at verse 26, 30 to 27. In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mary is about to get married, we are taught, but God has changed Mary's plans. He has sent the angel uh, to tell her that she's going to have a special baby. We read on, verse 28, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, last year in, in, in southern Poland, uh, a, a small town went wild with celebrations. What brought such joy in the middle of COVID-19 gloom? Well, what happened was that a baby was born. His name is Batek, baby Batek. You see, for decades, uh, this small town of 300 people had never had the birth of a baby boy. Only girls are born in the town. In fact, the mayor became so worried about this and the long-term future of the town that he decided to offer a reward for anyone who has a baby boy. 
So when Baby Batek was born, there was a lot of celebration because the birth of Baby Batek uh, has brought fresh hope for the town. They are hoping that there will be many more Bateks being born in the future. Now, this baby uh, in Mary's womb is more important and more miraculous than Baby Batek because the baby is God our creator entering human history. Verse 32 there tells us that Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And as we read later on to verse 35, the angel says to Mary in verse 35, uh, the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Mary is having the Son of God. So we ask the question, what is going on here? Uh, is the angel saying God is going to father a son? No, that's not what it means. The Bible teaches us that God is Trinity. God exists in three eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the three are one God, not three gods, one God. So what the angel here is saying is that Mary is going to carry in her womb God the Son. God the Spirit will enter Mary's womb and meet baby Jesus together. Uh, this baby of Mary will be unrepresent human. You have all Mary's DNA inside the womb. You do all the wonderful things that babies do in the womb. Uh, he will learn to move his fingers, move his toes, uh, move his limbs. Uh, he will dream. Babies do that in the womb. He will, he will yawn. He will suck his thumb. And you even get scared when Mary sneezes. You do those things because he's 100% human. At the same time, the baby in Mary's womb will be 100% God. Uh, he is God the Son. He created the very womb in which he's sitting. Uh, he created all things, and all things were created for him. He is the Almighty God. This is God entering human history. During the last days of his life, uh, the founder of the technological giant, Apple, Steve Jobs, sat down with his biographer to record his life. You see, Steve Jobs was losing the battle with cancer. So his biographer wanted to know his thoughts about life after death. Steve, what do you think about life after death? Well, Steve Jobs answered him, he said, I am 50-50 about God. For most of my life, I felt there must be more to our existence than meets the high. I like to think that something survives after you die. You know, it is strange to think that you have all this experience and wisdom, and then it just goes away when you die. When we think about those words of Steve Jobs, they are reminding us, aren't they, that all of us crave to be connected to something greater than us. We were not made to live for ourselves. We are meant to live for something bigger than us. And what the Bible says is that that something we long for is in fact someone. We were created by God to find our lasting fulfillment and purpose in Him. But you see, at the beginning of creation, when God made us, we turned our backs against Him. We decided to live only for ourselves. We chose to live without God who gave us meaning and purpose in life. 
and our disconnection from God has left a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And we experience this absence of God in different ways in our lives. First, it has left all of us feeling lonely, isolated, and empty in life. You have a deep desire to be truly loved and satisfied. But no matter what relationship you get into, you never experience true love and satisfaction. Secondly, all of us want to know our ultimate purpose in life. Who am I? Why do I exist? Where is my life going? All of us have longing for such answers. Thirdly, all of us feel a deep sense of brokenness in life. You are looking at the world, especially with COVID-19, and you know deep down that the world is at war with you. Life isn't the way it's meant to be. And then finally, all of us are concerned that one day we will die. You wish that there would be a way to beat death. And you know you can't do it. You see, these and many other problems in life, they are common to all of us. All human beings have these problems. And we have these challenges because we have been disconnected from God, our Creator. This means that no matter what we have, no matter what we do in life, or how we go about meeting our desires, you and I can never be truly satisfied in life. What you need to be satisfied is to have a life with God. God made you and your rejection of him has left that hole. Therefore, you need God in your life. Not just any idea of God. You need the true God of the Bible. And the good news of Christmas is that the true God has entered human history to walk in your shoes. He has put on your humanity in the person of Jesus. And the angel here is saying to us through Mary, you are not alone anymore. God loves you and he has come to wear your skin so that you can be with God forever. And that brings us to the second and final truth we learn in this passage. The second bit of good news. The first bit of good news is that God is here as one of us. Well, the second bit of good news, that was the first bit of good news. The second bit of good news is that God is here for us. He has come for us. The angel's message to Mary is that this God who is entering our world through the womb of Mary is coming to be with us for our benefit. Look at verse 31 there. And behold, you conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You know, the book of Matthew, the first gospel, tells us that God names this baby Jesus because he's being born to save us from our sins. You see, all of us are sinners against God. Earlier this year, uh, you may have seen that insulate Britain, uh, an offshoot of Extinction Rebellion, was blocking roads around. The M25 had got stuck in that, one of their sort of protests. Well, what happened is that the government took them to court, you may remember, and the high court issued a judgment that told insulate Britain to stop doing their illegal activities. But you know what they did? And you may have seen this on TV. They refused. When, immediately when they gave them the injunction, they took the injunction and they called the world's media and they took out cigarette lighters and they set the injunction on fire in front of the high court. 
You see, what insulate Britain did is a picture of what all of us have done before God. God made us. He created us. And he has taught us not to sin. But all of us, every day, sin against God. Every time you lie, every time you are impatient, you are sinning against him. Every time you fail to show love, every time you fail to show joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, you are sinning against God. And every time we sin against God, we are like insulate Britain. We are setting fire, you see, to the moral law of God. We are basically saying to God, I don't care what you think or say. I'll do what I like. We are saying to God, look, I don't want to be holy like you. I want to live in my sin. Now, of course, we never say that loudly. But as I say, actions speak louder than words, right? Now, what we need to remember is that when Insulet Britain defied the court order, many people supported them, actually. And for a while, it looked like they were getting away, and many of us were frustrated that this just kept going on, right? But soon, you remember, they were arrested, and they are now serving time in prison, eight of them, for their defiance against the authorities. In the same way, there is no alternative to our rebellion against God. It may look like in our lives we are getting away with it, but the Bible says that all of us must face the judgment seat of God. And it says all of us, if we continue rejecting God, when we die, we'll enter hell forever. We'll suffer the wrath of God at his hands for rejecting his rule. But the good news of Christmas, you see, is that God has entered our world to offer us an alternative. He wants to give each one of us a new life with him in this loving kingdom. Let's read verse 32, 33 again. It says, Jesus, you'll be great and you'll be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And you'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Ernest Hemingway, in his short story, The Capital of the World... He tells a story of a father and his son who live in Spain. Their relationship becomes strained, and the son eventually runs away from home. The father starts a long journey in search of his long-lost son, this rebellious son. Uh, The son's name is called Paco. As a last resort, uh, he decides to put an ad in the newspaper. Uh, And the advert simply reads, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of the Madrid newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. That's how the note ends. The son's name, of course, is Paco, right? It's a very common name in Spain. So the next day at noon, in front of the newspaper office, there are 800 Pacos, all seeking love and forgiveness, all wanting to go home. The moral of the story is that we're all Pacos looking for forgiveness. And the good news of Christmas is that the true God is like the Madrid father. You see, some people say all religions are the same. But in fact, there are only two religions in the world. 
Every religion is about man searching for God. Jesus is about God searching for man. You see, God is not asking you to make your way home to him. He has come down to save you without any effort on your part. And this is the heart of Christianity, and this is what separates Christianity from all other religions. And the Bible calls this wonderful truth. It calls it grace. Grace is God's unmerited love to us. It is God pursuing sinners who do not want to be with him. He comes to us in Jesus to save us. It is all about him. Now, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Even Mary didn't believe it at first. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? She is struggling to make sense of all of this. So the angel assures her, verse 35, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... Your relative Elizabeth in our old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. The angel is, is saying we can believe the good news of Christmas, that, that it is true because God is fully committing to be one of us and for us in Jesus. And we are here this evening because this story is true. We are joining millions around the world because this story is true. The baby really was born that first Christmas for us. And we know this birth was only the beginning. The baby who is God grew up. And when he was 33 years old, he died on the cross for our sins. On the cross, you see, God treated Jesus as a criminal. He poured on Jesus all the punishment for your sin. So that if you trust in Jesus... You can be forgiven by God. You see, if we don't pay our tax, we may go to prison, right? But if someone pays it for us, we can be set free. The judge can say, yeah, you owe the tax, but somebody has paid it for you. Well, Jesus came to pay our debt before God by his death so that we can go free. But for you to benefit from this good news of Christmas, for you to have life with God, you must personally, this must be a personal thing, you must personally accept Jesus as Mary does. Look at verse 38. Look how Mary accepts what God says. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary grabs this news of Jesus with both hands. She welcomes Jesus. She knows it's going to cost her in some way, but she knows Jesus is worth it. And you and I must do the same. Uh, this means accepting you are a sinner, not merely church attenders, but accepting you are a sinner and asking God to forgive your sin based on the death of Jesus for your sins. And if you do this, this very moment, your sins will be forgiven. You now, you now become a true follower of Jesus. You have life with God forever in Christ. And if you are already trusting in Jesus this evening, uh, the, the, the Christmas season is God's gift for you. It is there to remind you why you are a Christian, why it's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. It's a wonderful thing because the creator of the universe 
who was quite simply beyond our grasp, has drawn near to us. He who was out of our reach, reached down to you. You see, because you are trusting in Jesus, you have the great privilege to call God Father. You now share life with God. You live in Him and He lives in you. So whatever situation you are facing this Christmas, you are well provided for in Jesus. Your life is not powerless. It's not alone because God lives in you. You may feel alone, but you're never alone. God in Jesus is in your every moment because this is why God came on Christmas. To be with you forever. Amen.